0: I'm Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. Welcome to another edition of the Fantasy Magnet Podcast here on the Fantasy Impact Today Network. I am your host, Wes Easley. You can find me on Twitter at Loafinit on Twitter. And don't forget to follow the show at FI Today with a little underscore. You can find the Fit Picks there. I guess all the results of the Fit Picks are already posted from last week. And we'll probably get the uh, Fit Picks for Thursday night up there not too long after this podcast has uh, concluded. And right now, though let me bring in the star not if i said falling star <laughs> you know i did not mean you're look you are a rising star my friend you're on different podcasts you got the articles and everything like that uh, you know i was just I, you know i speak before i think a lot of times so let me bring in <laughs> jb the fantasy coach himself you can find him on twitter at fantasy coach jb What's going on, Wes? Another beautiful Fantasy Magnets show for us.
1: Hey, I spoke to the guys over at Viridian Global today, and they said that we've been selling some Fantasy Magnet gear. So, thank you to anybody who's purchased a Fantasy Magnets t-shirt. And if you're going, what is JB talking about? Check out my pinned tweet. We partnered, I announced it last week, we partnered with Viridian Global to do some Fantasy Magnets t-shirts. I think they're working on hats, too, so... Really cool stuff. They make really quality apparel. So check out my pinned tweet if you're interested in rocking some Fantasy Magnus gear with us.
0: Oh yeah. And let me encourage you to go over there and get that magnet gear. Okay. I, I still got to order a shirt. JP, I forgot about, about ordering a shirt. I got to make a to-do list. Listen, you, you guys know I'm a little bread man. That's why I'm loafing it. That's kind of my vocation as a bread man and everything. So I'm loafing it on Twitter and you know, my email addresses and Skype addresses and all that. It's all loafing it stuff. So I make it all bread related, right? This is the time of year when a little bread man, it, my brain starts going bonkers. All right. I don't know if you have any idea what it's like to be a bread man during the holidays. But we sell all kinds of rolls, all kinds of bread. Then you start throwing these little possible COVID scares in here right now, okay? So people are getting a little panic buying, okay? And and here in Alabama if if like you hear of snow and stuff like that, which we, don't, we haven't heard about snow or anything, you know, everybody rushes to the store, gets the snow, clears off the shelves. But there's a little bit of that, of that panic buying right now with the COVID stuff, and people are afraid their kids are getting let off a lot out of school. A lot of the stocks are starting to dwindle down in the in the. Not trying to start. I'm I'm I'm, I'm feeding the fire right now, aren't I? <laughs> I can be quiet. But no, I start thinking a lot about rolls and displays and stuff. Sell a ton of rolls during the Thanksgiving time. That's really where the bread gets buttered during that time of year, JB. What what about you? What what are your favorite like uh, uh, bread categories during the holidays or at least during Thanksgiving?
1: Well, in the bread category, I mean, I, I guess stuffing would fall into the bread category.
0: Used to do so, stuffing. I uh-huh. yeah, used to deliver stuffing. They they kind of got out of that. I don't know why they did. It was a pretty good seller, to be honest with you. Hmm.
1: Yeah. Honestly, for a fat guy, I mean, I'm, I'm not really a big bread guy. I, I like, you know, I'll love a toasted piece of cinnamon raisin bread with some butter on it or some cream cheese on it. But uh, you know the dinner rolls are good and all. My wife loves the uh, the cornbread, so end up with some cornbread in there. So yeah, I, I get my fair share of bread. Don't don't get me wrong.
0: I think I can let you guys in on a little secret of what's happening. And it probably might might not. It probably won't be nationwide, but I know it's happening in a large part of the nation. All right. Everybody is looking in all businesses are looking at ways to cut costs, okay, and manufacturing costs. And it just isn't holding up now for those. They disappeared a long time ago. The little tin foil rolls. Do you ever remember those rolls that used to come in, like the little tin pan? Did you guys have those? No, I don't remember that. Oh yeah, they were like a yeast roll. They were like a sister Schubert roll, but they were fresh. And man, we used to sell the fire of those things during the holidays. That was the number one seller. But the tin pan became too expensive to make and the, the rolls became a yeasty roll. So it became too expensive. So those are going, those were gone years ago, but they were kind of replaced with the brown and serve rolls, like the, the rolls that were kind of par baked, but you could bake the rest of them in the oven and you know you get that smell going through your house and everything. Those nice. are going away too. Those are going mm-hmm. away. They're, they're, this is this is about the last season. If it's not the last season, I think they 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 quit making all the bags and all that. So when when they're gone, they're gone. Well, twenty twenty little...
1: is just taking everything from us, huh?
0: It, it is. That's the number one seller. So we'll have to figure out some other things to sell, or we can come up with our own little tin pan rolls and sell the fire out of those things, buddy. Boom! There you go. See, Entrepreneurial. It, my my whole point to that is. To head over to your little pin tweet on the fantasy on, on Fantasy Coach JB on Twitter, because that is a way to help support the show by getting some fit gear as well. And that, that all the proceeds will go back into the show somehow, some way, so we can spread the news that way about the Fantasy Magnet podcast, which is doing very well, by the way. And I gotta thank the Fit fan for that. They have been spreading the they've been spreading the news. There you go. I, I knew <laughs> you'd like that. All right. But they have been doing a great job with that. And we just appreciate it. My fantasy magnet hat is off to you. All right. Did you see the tweet that guy that guy tweeted out Uh, a fantasy magnet hat on on what looked like an old girlfriend of mine?
1: (laughs) Yeah, Michael tweeted out Michael was the winner of our contest and he got a fantasy magnet hat. He tweeted out a picture of his new dog. So he just adopted a dog uh, about a week before I got my puppy. So it was a it's a cute picture of his dog wearing our fantasy magnets hat and and she's looking at the camera like hey if you don't listen to the fantasy magnets what's wrong with you it's a really cute picture of Luna so check that one out also I actually have my puppy Layla on my lap right now so Layla's doing her first fantasy magnets podcast with us and maybe she'll learn some uh some fantasy football with us.
0: <laughs> Layla, Luna, I I, I don't have a dog at all. We got kids in the house and I told you it's like a Tom and Jerry cartoon. They both would love a dog. I told you to keep that picture far away from my daughters <laughs> because I did not want them to see that little cockapoo of yours. Otherwise, I'd have a lot of poo-poo all the way over my house, you know. <laughs> I, I always name dogs puddles whenever I get one. I just name them puddles because that's what ends up happening all over my my house. So.
1: Yeah, yeah. Layla, Layla could be nicknamed puddles. Although um, the fantasy besties that I do the show with on Monday nights, they've decided to name her Biscuit. So as we were trying to come up with a name for Layla, they were all suggesting Biscuit, which is a cute name. But I couldn't do it because I had a friend that was nicknamed Biscuit. So whenever i brought that up my wife just said no that'll just you know make us think of of your friend so we've decided to make layla's middle name biscuit so it's layla biscuit
0: <laughs> okay, well, we'll see which one sticks Because you never know She may end up sticking with Biscuit But hey, we got to get into football, man You and you and I both know that we'll start talking about football And we'll be here all night long And we got an exciting game tonight That we don't have to spend a lot of time getting into But the Arizona Cardinals versus the Seattle Seahawks this evening That's going to be a great one We've got three great games Sitting all by themselves this week Where everybody can prime in and, and, and watch each and every one of them exclusively And not have to worry about being distracted By the local games in their area yeah, and you
1: know what? The the primetime games, two of the three primetime games are the highest totals of the week. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when we go through our game rec- our game previews, it's going to be a lot of lower scoring games versus this fireworks of a game that we're going to have tonight and high scoring game we should have Sunday night.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, and uh, this one tonight. You know, we we'll just suggest here look at the injuries, of course, this evening, and and I don't think where well, the show is going to get out before the game starts. But look at the injuries before this evening, and uh, if they're not injured, you should play them. That is, can we, can we just say that? Can is that? An yeah, easy way exactly. To and exactly. if it's and if like Tyler Lockett does not play, and I haven't heard any news on him today, I've uh, been busy playing with roles today, uh, and I haven't heard Tyler Lockett news, but if he is if he is injured, what David Moore would be the guy to own then, wouldn't it? Lock,
1: lock Yeah, you're right, but Lockett is active. He is expected okay. to play, so I know last time these two teams played, that was the, t- the week that Lockett went off and had his 50-point week. I don't expect that to happen again, but he should still have a significant role with DK probably seeing a lot of Patrick Peterson, so even a, a Gimby Tyler Lockett's a guy that I'm putting in my lineup.
0: Now, you talked about him, I think we talked about him in the preseason before NFL actually kicked off, and we talked about how Tyler Lockett was injured a lot of last year at the second half of the year. And this injury bug may be coming up again in his life, maybe not the same one, but just kind of seems like it maybe happens to Tyler Lockett for a little while, somewhere in the middle part of the season. And you even mentioned that he was a distraction out there on the field uh, for the defenses because they had to key in on him, and then others were able to produce a little bit more.
1: Yep, exactly, and and I don't know that he'll be used as a decoy this week because it's such an important matchup for him, a divisional matchup, both six and three, you know, two MVP candidate quarterbacks. So I don't know that they'll want to de- deploy him as a decoy this week. I think he'll have a role in the offense and he'll have to fight through the injury. I don't know who they play, but if he is banged up, they you know the next week or two they might decide to do something like that, and that's when a guy like David Moore could step up and and really be a fantasy asset.
0: Yeah, so just keep your eye on that, and then of course keep your eye on the waiver wire as well. But the first game I have written down to really get into, JB, are the Atlanta Falcons versus the New Orleans Saints. Yeah, I've had my eye on, uh, eye on this game uh, as a victory for the Falcons. You know, if they if they end up being four and six here, they would be two games behind the Saints, which is very interesting to me. Whenever you look at their records, and I look at it, and I do think that the the Uh, Atlanta Falcons have a really good chance at at winning this game. And if they do that, JB, they're right on the heels of those Saints. Now, coming into this game, we have some big questions because uh, Jameis Winston as quarterback. I don't know. Do you like Jameis Winston or Taysom Hill if you had to choose between one or the other?
1: Well, if I have to choose between the two, it's probably going to be Winston. and, And I think that You know, it it hasn't been announced yet, but I think he's going to be the guy who gets the start, who gets the majority of the work. I know a lot of analysts have Winston ranked in, like, the end of their top 10 as a QB1 this week. Mm-hmm. I'm just nervous of the upside, Wes, because, you know, they could use a lot of Taysom Hill gimmick packages where, you know, they get down into the red zone, they bring in Taysom Hill, he runs the option, he's he's really an extension of the running game, and he can throw a little bit, too. So I, I worry that it limits Jameis's upside and you know, as a Bucks fan, I've watched Jameis's downside for years. So I, I'm a little upset to hear you say that you you're looking at the Falcons to win, because I was hoping that would be one of my island picks on Fit Picks. Because I'm also thinking the Falcons could win this game.
0: Now I, I say that, and that's really only if Jameis Winston plays a lot, and they don't commit to Taysom Hill coming into the game. If they commit to Taysom Hill coming into the game, I could really see a wildcat. Formation being implemented quite often with Taysom Hill there, with Alvin Kamara taking a turn there or two as well, and just kind of running the ball and being really dedicated and committed to the run, and then switching it up with a pass from Taysom Hill every once in a while. But you know, this this offense is an intelligent offense. It is a disciplined offense, and if you say Jameis Winston is going to come in and run that, I've never put those words in the same sentence with Jameis Winston ever before in my life other than yeah. talking about the opposites, you know? And yep. I, and I just, I'm just not sure. I've never seen Sean Payton change his ways enough. Teddy Bridgewater came in there last season and really did a bang up job, but really he was a, and I, I know insult intended here, but he was really just a poor man's version of Drew Brees last season and did a very good job, but a very admirable job uh, Teddy Bridgewater did. But Jameis Winston looked terribly uncomfortable, underneath center last week, and the team did not look comfortable with him behind there either. I think it's going to be a Taysom Hill week. If Jameis starts out as the starter, it won't be for long.
1: Yeah, it might be, and that's why I'd be afraid to start either one of them. You know, Obviously, you're going to start Alvin Kamara because he's a beast, and you're probably going to have to start Michael Thomas, but I'm afraid that with Jameis back there, it it might not be advantageous for a guy like Thomas, because you think about Jameis as a guy who likes to throw it deep. You know, Drew Brees is a guy who works his progressions from the front to the back, whereas Jameis does the opposite. Jameis likes to look for the long ball and then kind of comes back to another read inside. I don't know that he could change that being in a different system, so I'm interested to see how he does that. I I don't know that it, it... Jameis Winston's quarterback style correlates with Michael Thomas's wide receiver style. So I'm, I'm a little nervous on this game if it is Winston that's getting the bulk of the snaps.
0: Oh, definitely. And I have it written down here, downgrade to the wide receiver's position. And I, I, don't, I have running back with a question mark because, once again, I do think that they'll have to concentrate on the run. So I almost see the running backs getting a little bit of an upgrade in here. Now, what I think is going to end up happening before Sunday... And, you know, I'm going to say that COVID tests just get thrown out the window, but Sean Payton and the New Orleans Saints find a way to get Ted Ginn Jr. on their team. And they just roll out Ted Ginn Jr. and Jameis Winston, and they say, go for it, guys. You know, I think that may be their best options. But for Atlanta, Russell Gage seems to be that wide receiver, you know, that gets that 8 to 10 fantasy points. But I got to ask you this. If Ridley plays, is it a Julio week or a Ridley week this week, J.B.?
1: I would say it would be a Julio week. Um, even if Ridley does play, he's not going to be at full strength. He's not going to be at 100%. Um, and if he does, he'll probably see you know, a, a, a decent... I mean, they kind of move around Julio and, and Ridley. So Lattimore could be on Jones, but I don't think he'll shadow him. So I think it'll go both ways. I, I don't know. I think it'll be a, a Julio week, only because I don't know what we're going to get out of Ridley not being
0: at 100%. Okay. And in the tight end landscape, uh, Harrison Hurst is always playable, right? I mean, we can be attracted to him. Hayden.
1: Yeah, I do like Hayden Hurst. I do like Hayden Hurst. He's, he's stepped up his role in the offense. He's been getting more involved in the offense, getting more used to it. You know, Matt Ryan had, has been saying good things about him even as far back as the preseason. So I think Matt Ryan likes him, likes his athleticism, and he is a very athletic tight end. And you've seen the last three games they played, he got eight targets, seven targets, seven targets. So he's definitely getting more involved in that offense. And he's, he's a guy that I would definitely stick with.
0: Yeah. New Orleans Saints though, they have a really stout defense, especially up front. Are you repelled from Gurley this week though?
1: I am. I am. I think, like you said, they do have a pretty stout defense up front. And I think that it's going to have to be Matt Ryan throwing the ball to get things done there. You know, Gurley could poach a a short yardage touchdown, but he hasn't looked as spry as he did early in the season. So uh, if you have other options, I would go that way.
0: Uh, I I can agree with you there. I think this is a good DFS stacking game for Atlanta, uh, especially if Jameis Winston starts out at quarterback, because then that means that you'll have plenty of opportunities if that ball is turned over. So it's a, a Julio, a Ryan, a Hurst week, and I am not scared about starting an Atlanta defense if Jameis Winston is under center this week. All right, Cincinnati versus Washington, JB. I'm looking at these games this week and I kinda I started looking at the standings as well because we are you know past the halfway point, right? So it's getting to be playoff time and I'm just looking at the standings and going who's in it, and who's out of it. If Cincinnati wins this game, they would be three and six. If Washington wins this game, they would be three and seven uh, I think tied for first place in the East, by the way, <laughs> <laughs> which is true. I think that's true, if I remember right. But this one, this this game looks like it has shootout written all over it, JB.
1: Yeah, and I think uh, Coop brought up a good point on our show on Monday night, how the Bengals are a team that are on pace to have three wide receivers with over 100 targets, which only has happened three or four times in the history of the NFL Um, which means Joe Burrow's throwing the ball. I mean, he's airing it out. It looks like Joe Mixon's going to miss another game. That injury must be a lot worse than they kind of let on for it to be. And Gio Bernard didn't do that great last game. So I I think he'll still be playable as a flex option if you need Gio Bernard. But I'm really attracted to the passing game on the Cincinnati side with Joe Burrow, T. Higgins, and and Boyd. I think all three of them are, are lock and load this week.
0: Okay, that's what I was going to ask you. If it's Higgins, Green, or Boyd, who are you most attracted to? Not
1: Green, uh, definitely not Green. He has—he's still getting targets, but he's not doing anything with it. Um, and he'll probably see a little bit of Kendall Fuller or a lot of bit of Kendall Fuller. So it's T Higgins who I think has the big week this week. Um, Boyd is still going to be good, also. I think if if we're ranking that. All the pass catchers this week, they're going to be pretty close. I mean, Higgins and Boyd will be separated by a couple of points, and they're probably only separated by a couple of dollars in DFS. So I, I, I like T. Higgins. I like what I've seen out of him, and I think Burrow trusts him and looks to him as his A1 wide receiver. So I, I'm going with T. Higgins, and he'll be in my DFS lineups as well as my season longs.
0: You know how I am. I, I start looking at the Chris Conleys of the world and the uh, Devontae Bookers of the world, and so my new one is Auden Tate. Because I just can't see A.J. Green continuing to play this season for the Cincinnati Bengals all the way through the year, and Auden Tate has been a guy whose name becomes very popular at the end of the season because he comes in and he makes a difference on fantasy football teams. He's already proven to have a good uh, a correlation with Joe Burrow there in Cincinnati. A couple of game, game I think with seven targets and seven catches in that same game. He flirts around that four or five target target range. But if A.J. Green gets out of the picture, man, they could be a three-headed monster there in the wide receiving core. Uh, uh, Give me, JB, in fantasy, every single Washington uh, football team's player that I can get my hands on. Am I right in thinking on that?
1: Yeah, it should be a good week for them. I mean, you could definitely run on this Bengals team. So I really do like Antonio Gibson this week. Um, and, And Captain Checkdown, Alex Smith, has been using McKissick a lot out of the backfield. So both of those running backs are really viable. I think Gibson would be a RB two category and McKissick would would be a very playable flex option. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously Terry McLaurin is is a stud, so you're gonna go with him. And Logan Thomas has really been a guy who's been stepping up as a as a nice little sleeper tight end. With the way that position is west, I, I almost might say that Logan Thomas is is a he's a guy that people have been kind of putting in their lineup as like a streamer play. But he's a guy that I've been leaving in my lineup for weeks now, and I'm happy with what I'm getting out of him as far as target share.
0: Yeah, and that's that's all you can hope for in tight end world right now, it seems like. And and I'm just going to say this. You can give me either one of those Sims guys. As long as they're throwing the ball 40-plus times a game, I'll just take them all. I'll take every single one of those Washington football team's players. I, I'm not repelled against any of them right now. All right, Detroit versus Carolina. If Detroit wins this game, they will be 4-5. If Carolina wins this game... They will be four and six. I'm i I'm iffy on this game, JB. I'm just iffy. And so is Stafford. So is Galladay. So is Hawkinson. <laughs> There's a lot of iffy in this game when it comes to the Detroit Lions. And I think if I saw this right, DeAndre Swift is in concussion pro- protocol. So he's iffy now, too.
1: Yeah, that just kind of killed my day because I literally had Swift in every single one of my DFS lineups that I built for this week. I -hmm. thought it was a smash spot for him, and I was going to lock and load. You saw last week he was a guy who who has pretty much taken over this backfield. It looks like they made the transition. He got the bulk of the work. He had his best week ever last week. He, He didn't practice today, today being Thursday, and they're calling it a concussion, a brain injury. So with the NFL's concussion protocol rules, he's in doubt for this game now. And, and that really bums me out, man. I really wanted to use him this week, especially Galladay is playing, but he's, he's gimpy. Um, I know that the other wide receivers are gimpy too. Jones is gimpy and, and, uh, Amendola, I think is out. Stafford's got the thumb injury. Hawkinson's got the toe injury. So, I mean, when I was looking at this game too, for Fit Picks, I went Carolina just because they're healthier.
0: Well, then that may well, and, and Teddy Bridgewater is banged up right now, uh, and CMC is not going to play this week. Mike Davis was a little bit banged up at towards the end of that football game last week. This one just may be a good play to play the under because there might not be enough men standing on the field. Well, except on Johnson. DT is going to be doing a victory lap Monday. You just wait and see. Carryon D- Johnson is going to go crazy uh, this <laughs> week. So DT is going to DT at Ras Ball is going to just have a field day with this one. The week um week he's
1: been waiting for.
0: uh okay so uh i I don't even know who i want to play in here i'm kind of iffy on all these guys i'm not really attracted to a lot of these people but if we were going to play anybody are you attracted to receivers for the carolina panthers
1: yeah on the carolina side of the ball i I do like mike davis this week i think with cmc out against this detroit defense it's a good opportunity for mike davis to kind of hush the naysayers who have pretty much said, oh, see, he told you he's, he's just a guy. But I think he's better than just a guy, and I think he's in a good spot this week to prove that. And I think Robbie Anderson bounces back this week, too. We saw a little bit more of a, a DJ Moore rising lately, and, and I think this is a good week for Anderson to get back on track against this Detroit defense, even if it is P.J. Walker. I mean, I, I think Bridgewater's trending towards playing, but even if it is P.J. Walker, I think I'm still going to stick with Robbie Anderson.
0: That. There's a lot of great young talent in Carolina, especially in that wide receiver core. They they really need a tight end though. The tight end is non-existent in that yep. in that offense. And if Teddy does miss, I'm really interested in them opening up the playbook even a little bit more for Samuel. Okay, because he's just he's touching the ball at all different places. He's doing all different kinds of things. And it wouldn't surprise me to see him throw a ball or two on Sunday afternoon as well. It just seems like he's kind of that guy that they've uh, uh, chosen to just do all kinds of things on the field.
1: Yeah, he's a little Swiss Army knife. He, he's been really productive and, and very usable in fantasy because he's used in so many different ways and he's getting touches in creative ways. And Matt Rule's doing a great job of, of making sure that happens. And, he, and Samuel wasn't being used that way previously with the previous regime I mean he he's a guy who took a lot of snaps at running back in college so he has that skill set so I'm glad to see that they're using them that way and he's a guy I'd stick with also as a flex option
0: sure and and I think you can stick with all those guys on that side of the ball for Carolina it's still a little bit too early to tell on what to do with the Detroit Lions all right we got the Patriots if they win this week against the Houston Texans the Patriots will be five and five if the Texans win, they'll be 3-7. and seven. If, if the Pats win 5-5, five and five, that means that they are just two behind the Buffalo Bills. Doesn't it seem like the Bills have run away with that and, and, and the Patriots are just nowhere to be found, but yet they'll just be two games behind because this is a Bills bye week?
1: Yeah, and it did for a while seem like, all right, this one's – lock it up. It's the Bills division. But then you see Miami start to play well, and you see New England start to play well. So maybe this division isn't a runaway, and it's going to be a competitive stretch down the home stretch here. So I like to see that. Obviously, we all like to see competitive football. We don't like to see a team having a coast, both for for viewing purposes and for fantasy purposes. I mean, if you think about it, if the Bills, you know, clinched the division in in week 14 – You're in your fantasy playoffs and and now you got to worry about them resting guys. And if Diggs and Allen and those guys have gotten you all the way and now you're worried about resting them, it could hurt you there. So we like to see the competitive divisions and I'm kind of glad that it's happening.
0: This is really a juicy matchup for Cam Newton, who has bounced back nicely after a couple of bad weeks there, it seemed like, after he returned from the COVID uh, situation. And he's really bouncing back nice, and he's found somebody to throw the ball to, and that's Jacoby Myers. And I think we could both say we're attracted to Cam this week, attracted to Jacoby Myers. But which running back, JB, are you attracted to? uh, Damian Harris, or are you attracted to somebody else, or maybe all of them?
1: No, it's Damian Harris for me, and he was one of my sexy flexes this week. Um, I think that Damian Harris did a great job last week with the bulk of the workload. He had a big game, and I think that they're trying to establish, yeah, obviously, a Belichick offense is never known for having a bell cow back, but they always have a guy who's a ground and pound back, and in a game where you know the run is an option, they're going to use that guy. So I think that guy is now Harris. And I am attracted to him. I'm sticking with him this week. I am playing Cam in a couple of leagues this week. Uh, Actually, two of my leagues, I have Cam and Stafford. So obviously, I'm starting Cam over a banged up Stafford this week. And uh, and I'll stick with Myers, even though he'll probably see the Bradley Roby shadow. I'd love to play the opposite side of that against Vernon Hargraves because, you know, I love picking on him. But I can't trust Nikhil Harry or, or whoever lines up Demir Bird over on that side. Demir Bird could be a sneaky DFS play against Hargraves if you're looking to save some money. But the other three options are, are Cam, Harris, and Myers are the guys that you could really trust.
0: Yeah, Rex Burkhead has caught a couple of touchdowns, and it does look to me like he's the red zone target in that offense. I don't know if Damian Harris runs out of wind or if uh, Belichick just—and he's Belichick is always— Always loved Rex Burkhead. Okay, I think I read an article one time where he longed for Rex Burkhead while he was in this while he was in Cincinnati Bengal (laughs) uh, uniform. But it was even going back to the college days. They just loved his athleticism and he was off the charts. And so I think Rex Rex Burkhead is that red zone back. I would almost play him as well. And I I just I I really like this uh, New England offense against the Texans who got run all over on by Cleveland last week. I mean, nobody could pass the ball, but I mean, Cleveland just ran the ball all over Houston, and it's been like that all year long. I know we're starting Watson this week, um, you know. but let me ask you this out of my page here that I have. You rank them. Watson, Cam, Matt Ryan, or Jameis Winston? Which Watson, one would you like?
1: Watson, Ryan, Cam, Winston.
0: Okay, all right, that's fair enough. I I don't I, I like Cam better than all of them. I it just I could see him really having a good game, uh, not only on the ground but also through the air this week. It's hard to put Matt Ryan below that. But that you know I, I always think about that New England defense being one of the better defenses in the league. But I don't think that that's necessarily been true this year. Uh, do you have a favorite person in this wide receiver group that you were really attracted to in the Houston Texans lineup?
1: Yeah, I think it's going to be a Will Fuller week. I think uh, Fuller's got a good matchup this week, and I think that he'll be able to take advantage of J.C. Jackson. So if he sees a lot of Jackson, Fuller should have the edge there. Um, And I think Watson will look for him on the long ball and and intermediate routes, too. So I'll stick with Fuller and Cooks, but I'll put Fuller as my number
0: one. I would agree with you. I, I see that uh, PFF grade of even like a McCordy and he's just not really done that well this year on um, for the PFF grade. So, I'm not scared to start anybody against the New England Patriot offense. This could end up being a back and forth contest, JB.
1: Yeah, and I think it will be because, like you said, the Patriots' defense isn't the same as, as we'd like to think of them as, and we know Houston's defense is bad, but both offenses are very capable of putting up points. So I think this is a one, you know, you talked about the one before going under the total. This one, I think, is close to 50, and, and this one could be an over because of the two bad defenses.
0: Now, see, you keep saying Houston's defense is bad. Uh, th- I'm sure they appreciate you giving them an upgrade this week, JB. Uh <laughs> <laughs> all right waiting to see if you caught that or not hey next one Philadelphia Eagles versus the Cleveland Browns if the Philadelphia Eagles win this game they will be four five and one if the Cleveland Browns win this game listen to this do you know what their record will be
1: if the Browns win they'll be six and four
0: seven, seven and three yes. wow. seven and, yeah seven yeah no isn't that crazy when you think about that and that that's uh if they're seven and three they will have the third best record in that AFC, which is going to be like the first wild card team or anything like that. And you think about the two teams that they're behind, the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Kansas City Chiefs, which are just leagues ahead of the rest of the NFL football right now, it seems like. But Cleveland will be seven and three. I, I never would have thought that going into this season being led by Baker Mayfield.
1: Yeah, and they have had a pretty easy schedule, so I'll take it with a little bit of a grain of salt, because I think I remember when we were doing our playoff predictions before the season started, if I'm not mistaken, they had the fourth easiest schedule in the league, so that is a little bit of part of it, but their offensive line has been playing lights out, and their running game has been incredible, so even with Baker Mayfield under center, they're game planning to run the ball and, and play to their strength, so even without Odell, with with Baker at, at quarterback who, you know, could be hot or cold on any given Sunday, they got two solid backs and a solid offensive yeah. line. They're playing to their strength. They got a good defense, and that's how they're winning games.
0: No, I agree with you. And there's going to be three good running backs in this game, JB, between uh, Kareem Hunt and uh, who, who's the other back there in Cleveland? What's his name? Uh, Hyde. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, who? Hyde. In, in Cleveland, Hyde? Oh, Hunt and Chub, Chump. Thank you, boy. Carlos Hyde. I almost agreed with you, and I went, no, 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 no. (laughs) So yeah, no, Carlos. Yeah, now you got the boy. You're gonna mess me up probably the rest of the season with that. All right, we'll have
1: to we'll have to edit this one. (laughs) <laughs> no,
0: no. I like running with it. No, it's going to be. Uh, so you got Chubb and you got Hunt back there. And then you got Sanders at the, in the back as well, in the backfield here in this game with Philadelphia Eagles. I, I'm curious. I'm trying to think in my head how I would rank them and where I would put Miles Sanders. Like if I was drafting those three today and they were all three looking at me and I could look at either one of them and choose one, which one would I want? Which one um, would you want?
1: I'd probably rank it Chubb, Sanders, Hunt if I was ranking them out.
0: Really. See, I almost want to say it's going to be both Cleveland backs and then Sanders. But Sanders does have that. Little extra explosiveness, and he's he has a, in theory more touches than what it looks like Kareem Hunt's going to get. But I, I don't I'm not sure if that's true anymore. Last week he got vultured by the, in the end zone by Corey Clement I think uh, for a touchdown, and then Boston Scott of course took one to the house from 50 yards out. I'm not going to say that was vultured, but uh, I just I'm I'm not sure I'm not sure about Sanders, and I just never trust him. I don't know if I had him on my team and he got hurt at some point or something, but I just don't trust Miles Sanders.
1: Yeah, and I don't think that's going to happen every week, like you said, about him getting vultured. You know, I, I think Corey Clement's a guy who just got lucky and got the touch at the right time. I think Sanders would be fine. He was running well, so I'm definitely going to stick with Sanders. I have him in a couple of places, and it's a tough defense to run against this week, but I think he'll be fine. I think he'll get the volume, and he'll be fine.
0: Okay. I, I got a question here about Philadelphia Eagles, because I think, JB, that the Philadelphia Eagles are in trouble. Carson Wentz doesn't look like he's the answer. I've been saying that all year long, that I wasn't sure that he was the answer. And and I'll tell you this about Jalen Hurts. I know that they drafted him, and it was kind of a shock that they drafted him to me. Because he never appeared to me in college, and I watched him down here in Alabama, and and he's always my guy. He's going to be my guy forever, Jalen Hurts is. And I watched him whenever he went to Oklahoma. He just never really impressed me of being a pro quarterback. He didn't have the arm. He didn't have the zip. And that was kind of until I saw Lamar Jackson play quarterback, and then I was like, well, maybe Jalen Hurts could play NFL quarterback, but I'm just not impressed by Lamar Jackson either. I'm afraid that Philadelphia is in trouble for some years to come.
1: Yeah, I think they, I, I don't, I didn't really understand that pick either. Cause I, I feel the same. I watched Hertz a lot when he was at Alabama and he showed a lot last year at Oklahoma, almost making people think he can do this, but I don't know. I think you're right. I don't think they have the answer there. Wentz has looked shaky. He's been throwing off his, his back feed, the little happy feed. I don't know if it's the offensive line that's causing that to happen, but he hasn't looked good at all this year. And he's got, his wide receivers now. He's got Fulgham, who has established himself. He's got Regor back healthy, but I just don't know that I could trust Wentz enough to start those guys. I think that Fulgham will see a lot of Denzel Ward this week, so I'm off of Fulgham, and I really want to start Regor but I can't trust him.
0: No, I I understand. I don't you know, know that you could trust anybody, and really, it's not them. It may be the person delivering them the ball. So let right. me ask you this, then. What about the tight ends? Do you trust? Are you, are you attracted to any of the tight ends in this game uh, at all, on the Philadelphia side or the Cleveland side?
1: I I don't know. I'd like to go Goddard, but I have the same question there. So I think I'm going to be off of Goddard, but I am attracted to Hooper. I think Hooper's now the second guy in targets over there in Cleveland, as far as pass catchers go, You know, with Landry being the primary. So I think Hooper does have a solid role in that offense moving forward. So I will stick with Austin Hooper.
0: Uh, oh yes i i i I hope so because I picked him up in a league and I stuck with him. I ended up dropping Evan Ingram because I just I'm not gonna carry two tight uh. ends around. Yeah, I did. I did. I, I ended up dropping Evan Ingram. I kept Hooper because of the matchups. If you look at the matchups, I think you'll understand why. And there was a bye week this week. And look, I just I, I'm only going to carry around one tight end. That's all I'm going to do. Uh, but somebody dropped Hayden Hurst this week because of injuries. Uh, uh, and just hey, I think he I, he's trying to plop me. He was trying to he was trying to tempt me into getting him is what he was doing. Okay, that's that's my <laughs> evil conspiracy theory. Is he was trying to make me make a move because I got Galladay sitting in the uh, IR spot and I don't really want to. Pull him out of there right now. I'm waiting to see if somebody else ends up in the IR spot so I can pull him off of there, but I think I may just leave him back there this week. But uh, I, I, so I'm going to stick with Hooper. I'm not, I'm not going to, yeah, I'm going to stick with Hooper this week and probably going forward as well. Hey, let me ask you this Jarvis Landry. I've, I've seen a lot of stuff on Twitter. Should I drop him? Is he droppable? Should I keep him? Should I start him? Should I sit him? And look, I'm going to tell the listeners right now here who are listening to the Magnet Podcast. If if he doesn't do it this week, you could go ahead and drop him. Okay, uh, I th- what what's a PFF matchup there, JB? Is it LeBlanc? Is it LeBlanc? LeBlanc? Is that who that is? LeBlanc. <laughs> He's got a forty six uh, P- PFF ranking, and so if if Jarvis Landry does not do that this week, if he does not, uh, you know. Uh, produce for you this week. You could just forget it. Just drop him. Uh, that's what I would say to do. Because there's a lot of wide receivers probably on the waiver wire who could produce for you if he cannot produce for you this week. Am I am I right thinking on that, JB? You're right.
1: And Layla just made her first fantasy football call. Oh. She just woke up from her little nap in my arms. She heard me say Le Leblanc, and I think <clears> that woke her up. And she looked at me and started licking my face while you were talking about Jarvis Landry. Oh, so we have to start Jarvis Landry this week because Layla okay. said so.
0: Okay. All right. Hey, Layla. Shout out to you, Layla. Oh. okay. I don't know what that does. All right. But uh, yes. Uh, so, so yes, that's my advice on Jarvis Landry. Next one, J.B. Pittsburgh Steelers would move to 10-0 and 0 if they win this game against the Jacksonville Jaguars. If they, if the Jaguars lose this game, they stay in contention for the first pick of the draft next year <laughs> because they've only won like one game or two games. I didn't even write it down because I ran out of space, to be honest with you. But uh, uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers look like they're going to cruise to 10-0 and 0 this week. But this is always a situation where Pittsburgh plays weird against these teams that they look like they should just win drastically over, and they kind of play down to the team.
1: Yeah, and I'm a little bit worried about that, Wes, but you're right. I mean, Jacksonville has one win. They're playing a backup quarterback who didn't look good last week against Green Bay. Their defense is very susceptible to the passing game, which the Steelers have shown even in a game script that called for them to run the ball last week they continue to throw the ball. All three of those wide receivers finished, I think, top 20. So, I mean, I think they have plenty of success this week through the air. So I'm definitely going to stick with Ben. I'm going to stick with all three of those wide receivers. I, I think all three of them are startable or are dfs or however you want to put it. I mean, Jacksonville is bad against the deep ball. They're bad out, out of the slot and they're bared against volume receivers. So that's all three of them. Check, check, check. So I'm sticking with that whole Pittsburgh passing game this week.
0: Yeah, I was actually, I was actually going to ask you to look under your chair, patch your pockets, look under Layla's bed and see if you can find the Pittsburgh running game because they have really just bailed out of it and that's all they do is throw the football anymore and I will totally I'm I'm totally with you. This looks like a smash spot for the Pittsburgh Steelers which in my world means I can't play a single one of them because they're going to let me down, <laughs> okay? That's just what Pittsburgh ends up doing. Uh, the Jags, are are you, are you repelled against Robinson this week going against the Pittsburgh Steelers defense?
1: To an extent, Wes. To, not to the point where I'm going to start, you know, Kalen Bellage over him, but to the point where I am a little bit worried I'm not going to put him in DFS lineups. But uh, if he's in my season-long lineup and he's my running back, too, I'm going to stick with him just because of the fact that, look, they're going to have to use him. They're going to have to give him the ball. They're going to have to pass to him. They're going to have to get him involved because Jake Luton can't lead them to a win or even a competitive game. So they're going to have to get him the rock. And I think, you know, just with that opportunity, he'll be able to return RB2 value.
0: Now, they have DJ Shark, of course, and he'll be active and involved as much as you can be against the Pittsburgh Steelers. You love Cole and I love Conley. Can we play any three of those wide receivers this week, or should we just stay away from all of them?
1: So I loved Cole last week, and I'm glad you shouted me out on Twitter. I appreciate <laughs> you shouting me out on that call after Cole scored a couple touchdowns last week. Um, but that was matchup-based. That was you know be, because they were game-planning to use their slot receiver because the outside cornerbacks they were expecting to play for Green Bay were good ones. So they kind of game-planned for that. I think this week it's tough to trust any of them against this Pittsburgh defense. I think they're going to be able to get to the quarterback and and force Luton to be under pressure and make some bad decisions. Um, what I will say is that the Steelers, as good as their defense is, they've allowed the fifth most passing yards against them. So I think that they're susceptible to the long ball. And I think that a guy like Chark can get open for a long pass and and return some value for you if you're gonna start him so if you have better options you might want to pivot, but I'm okay with you with you starting him I don't know that I could stick with the other options in this matchup
0: okay I could agree with you on that I'm trying to stay away from as many Jaguars as I possibly can definitely not gonna stack them up in a DFS lineup at all hey let me remind everybody that they are. Listening to the Fantasy Magnet podcast here on the Fantasy Impact Today network. J.B. Barry is my co-host today. You can find him on Twitter at Fantasy Coach JB. Make sure you check out his Twitter handle, and you can also pick up some Magnet gear there on the pinned tweet as well. You can also see little cute pictures of Layla laying there in J.B.'s arms as he's putting together the uh, sexy flexies for you <laughs> on the Rasball website. And check me out on Twitter as well. You can find me on Twitter at It and you can head over to Twitter. As well to find the show at Fi today with a little underscore to find our fit picks that we talk about that each and every one of us talk about on the different podcasts here on the Fantasy Impact Today Network, which you can find on Anchor FM, and you can follow us over there as well. You can just find whatever listening platform you like to listen to podcasts on. Subscribe to the podcast there on that platform. Also hit those stars if it happens to be on the iTunes app. Leave a comment. Leave a review. We would love to hear from you. And don't forget to share it with your friends and your family because it is the tis the season for sharing, JB, and we're getting up on some sharing right now in football terms with the Tennessee Titans and the Baltimore Ravens. The Tennessee Titans and the Baltimore Ravens, if either one of them win this game, they will be seven and three. That's, That's neat, isn't it, that both of those teams will be seven and three, but here's the bad thing. The Tennessee Titans have lost three out of their last four games. They are really looking like, in my opinion, that Derrick Henry, their workhorse, has been worked a lot. And in my opinion, Derrick Henry looks very, very tired. I'm glad he had the, what, 10 days rest because they played what last Thursday night, I believe. Uh, it's just one of those things whenever I look at uh, Derrick Henry, and I've watched him for years, you know, being an Alabama guy and everything. I've never seen him be that slow to get up. I've never seen him be that uh, slow to get off the field, that slow to get back to the huddle. He just looks worn out and tired to me. And I don't know that that has some implications in uh, Foreman finally getting some run. I didn't even know that he was still in the league anymore. Uh, (laughs) But uh, that's what it appears to me, JB, is that Derrick Henry looks tired.
1: Yeah, I think it's a little bit tired and a little bit frustration, Wes, because he lost Taylor Luan, who is his best lineman, and the offensive Mm. line hasn't looked the same ever since. So maybe he's not getting the holes that he's used to. Well, he's not getting the holes that he's used to. So maybe that's leading to some frustration as well. You know, Tennessee's offense is around Derrick Henry. And yeah, Tannehill's played fine. And you've seen, you know, A.J. Brown kind of step up and Corey Davis make himself something finally this year. But the offense is really built around Henry. And if they can't get that running game going, then the passing game suffers too. And that's what we've seen over these Mm -hmm. past few games. And I don't think it gets better this week against the Baltimore defense.
0: Oh, it doesn't. And you're absolutely right. That Tannehill success was really built on a play-action pass. And that play-action pass is not there if people don't think that you can run on them. And I don't think they're as scared of Derrick Henry as they have been in the past. And like you said, it has a lot to do with that offensive line. This is my suggestion. And possibly, if there is room on your roster to either roster McNichols, who is an explosive little back, he averages over five yards a touch, I think, JP, for the Tennessee Titans right now. But then Deontay Foreman reared his like last week in that backfield, and I think he got nine or ten carries last week, and if that's the case, it just could be one of those things where they may want to give Derrick Henry a break for a couple of games heading into the playoffs if they know they've secured it, so just keep your eyes open for either one of those two backs who will probably share that backfield if Derrick Henry ever does get a little rest, okay? Are you attracted to any of those wide receivers uh, and and, and not re- or, or repelled by all of them?
1: Well, I think that Brown's going to have a tough matchup with Humphrey this week. So I think that Corey Davis is the wide receiver to play if you're going to play one of them. I think he's definitely going to be flex-worthy, even though his matchup with Peters isn't great either. But I think he is flex-worthy. And as I say every week, I am repelled by Jonu Smith. Jonu <laughs> Smith is a blocking tight end. He's a guy who's now asked to block even more with the with the injury to the offensive line. So Janu Smith gets those fluky touchdowns. If you watched last week, he got a touchdown on on a on an end around. You know, like he, he's he's not a good tight end. He blocks a lot. He doesn't run a lot of routes. So you're banking on him going two for twenty two and, and getting a touchdown. That's not a risk I want to take. I'm not starting him anywhere.
0: I understand that risk, the reward thing. And here's the thing, though: How many touchdowns does who have this year?
1: Uh, but they're all fluky, Wes.
0: It, uh, they've had seven touchdowns. Well, I mean, you can say they're fluky, and I understand that. They are fluky, and it's very red zone dependent, right? I mean, that's the thing. It's red zone dependent, and you can't always count on a team getting into the red zone or getting down even to the point where they're not going to run Derrick Henry at the end zone. I think John, Who missed a touchdown last year as well, but I think back to an Eric Ebron year whenever he was with the Indianapolis Colts, and every single one of his touchdowns were fluky. Mo Alley-Cox, every touchdown has been fluky with him with the Indianapolis Colts. Colts this year. So, I mean, Fuki or not, there's somebody that he looks for at the end zone, uh, around the around the red zone, and this year for tight end, and if you can have somebody fall into the end zone once a game, that's fine with me.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to disagree because I think Corey Davis is the red zone target. If you look at the past, since week six, he's only caught one touchdown pass, and since week six, he's totaled 13 yards, 9 yards, <laughs> 29 <laughs> yards, 32 yards, and 14 yards and only caught one touchdown in that span. So I, I'm not going to start him. I don't think he's a weapon like Ebron. I don't think that that's, that's the comparison. Most of his touchdown catches were when Corey Davis was injured. So keep that in mind.
0: Well, most of his touchdown runs were last week, JP. If you can't <laughs> count on John U. Smith to get a touchdown, I hear what you're saying. I think there are worst option, worse options in the league right now to start at tight ends than John U. Smith, just because he does get those red zone looks. And right now that tight end position is looking kind of kind of bleak right now at different times <laughs> during the year. So I think you could do worse than John U. Smith. All right. Uh, wh- what about for the, um, the Baltimore Ravens, though? That backfield is just a jumbled mess. Do you trust any of those guys in the backfield going against the Tennessee Titans? And let me just say this. I'll include Lamar Jackson as a running back because he just doesn't throw the ball all that well.
1: Well, if you're going to include Lamar, then that's the one I'm going to stick with, because I think Lamar has a smash week this week. I mean, we saw Philip Rivers light up his Tennessee team last week, so I think this is a spot where Lamar reminds people why he was the MVP last year. I think Lamar, Mark Andrews, Hollywood Brown, I think they all score this week. I think Lamar runs one in, throws for at least two, one to Andrews, one to Brown, and I think this is a good get-right week for the Baltimore offense.
0: Wow. All right. So we're we're you you're, you're going to stick with all of them. I don't know. It's just I stay away from the Baltimore offense a lot. Probably my downfall in the in the, in fantasy football. Right there is the Baltimore offense. Let's go to the Miami Dolphins and the Denver Broncos. Miami Dolphins. If they win this game, yep. Seven and three. Seven and three, just like the Cleveland Browns. Uh, that's just it's, it's something else. I can't believe that the Miami Dolphins would be seven and three. Denver Broncos, if they win this game, would be four and six. Would move to four and six. I don't see that happening, but they would move to four and six if they did. Hey, two is on the road this week. Does he throw his very first interception?
1: Um, I don't know because Denver's pretty bad. <laughs> they yeah. looked really bad and. And I think that Tua has been making decent decisions. He hasn't been trying to force things, and he's been—he's looked pretty good so far from what I've seen. He looks more poised than he did in his first start. He looks like he's starting to gain some some confidence out there, and and I've liked what I've seen so far with him managing the games. I don't know who he's going to throw to. You know, Devontae Parker obviously is the number one receiver there. He'll probably see a lot of AJ Bouye, who's the best Broncos cornerback, but he's beatable. So if he does connect with Parker, I just don't know that Parker and Tua have that connection yet. And I don't know who Tua has a connection with, or if he's just, hey, let me find the open man on whatever read I see a little opening. So I think I'll stick with Tua in this matchup that I think that they're going to win. I just don't know which pass catcher. I mean, I'll probably stick with Parker. I'll stick with Kosicki, but not with much confidence.
0: Oh, I can understand that. What about Locke? Do you have any confidence with Locke against this Miami Dolphin defense who we've just seen really lock down a couple of teams uh, over the last couple of weeks?
1: Yeah, that defense has looked really well. They, they've played really well, and they've looked really good. And they, They're a defense that I want to play in my DFS lineups this week because Locke has not looked good, right. and I think that he's banged up also. I don't even know if he's going to start this week. There's some some news that he might not be able to go this week. So I'm repelled by this whole Broncos offense this week against the surging Miami defense with a banged up questionable quarterback. You know, they got weapons. They got guys that I want to play. I want to play Noah fan. I want to play Jerry Judy. I even want to play KJ Hamler, Mm -hmm. but I don't think I can this week. I think the dolphins defense has been playing too, too good. And I think Locke has been playing too bad that I think I'm going to have to repel from that offense as a whole this week.
0: No, I agree with you. I can't remember the backup's name, uh, Diggler or something. I can't remember what his name is. But uh, he played pretty well in that time that he substituted in for Locke for a brief moment before he got hurt too.
1: Yeah, Jeff Driscoll. Driscoll, Um, Thank you. Yeah, he, he played pretty well as a substitute. And I know, uh, Lindellians, our buddy Lindellians loves the picture that she always shares of his rear end. So <laughs> <laughs> I think that's all his only redeeming quality that he brings to the football <laughs> field is, is, is making Linda happy with his photos, but that's, that's about it. I can't expect much from him from a fantasy aspect.
0: All right. Well, let me ask you to rank these running backs. Your new guy Ahmed, is that how you say it? Ahmed? Ahmed. Ahmed, Ahmed, uh, Gordon or Lindsay? This week. And, and, you this know week? I, I Yeah, well, this week, because, and it's a pedigree thing, you know, because Melvin Gordon is Melvin Gordon, allegedly, and Philip Lindsay is Philip Lindsay, allegedly, but then you got Ahmed, who comes in and looked really like a little ball of fire. He, him and Grant looked almost interchangeable. What I noticed about the Dolphins last week, they're all really small and fast. You know, that's what it seemed like to me. I was like, holy cow, they're all just running around this uh, field like they're a a, a bug in my yard whenever I'm mowing the yard. They're just just running, running, (laughs) running. What are they doing? But who would you rank there, Ahmed, Gordon, or Lindsay this week?
1: I would rank them in that order, Ahmed, Gordon, Lindsay. and Ahmed is actually my second sexy flexi this week. I think he does have a good matchup in a – Game script that should favor the run. I would think that the Dolphins should be up in this game against a, a Broncos team that's looked pretty pathetic lately. So I think it's a good game script for him. And, and, you know, with the two backs on Denver, they're sharing the workload in a game that they're probably going to be passing more than running. So I, I'd lean Ahmed in this game.
0: Who would you rather start? Ahmed Robinson for the Jaguars or Todd Gurley for the Atlanta Falcons?
1: Robinson, Ahmed Gurley.
0: Oh, boy. Yeah, it gets the Pittsburgh Steeler defense, too. I may go with an Ahmed Robinson Gurley. May, may, ah, boy, Those yeah. Robinson two
1: were close, but I think Robinson is, is just a bit of a better back.
0: Okay, and just Chris Thompson is on the IR, too, so we don't worry about him getting vultured uh, from the passes anyway, I don't think. Uh, right, Chris, Rob, Chris Thompson is on the IR? Uh, I believe so. I think so, too. Yeah, I, I'm running with it. Believe it or not, <laughs> all right? Uh, All right, let's go on to the next game. The New York Jets have to lose to continue to be in zero wins, okay? (laughs) (laughs) And the Los Angeles Chargers, who aren't doing much better, if they win this game, they will be three and seven, JB. Can you believe that? Uh, I I thought that they were better than that. I mean, I'm not even talking about preseason. I'm talking about Last week, I thought they were better than that, and when I looked at their record now as I was imagining them winning this game, I said, three and seven? That's it? I thought Herbert played a lot better than that, but he just hasn't transitioned to the Ws.
1: Yeah, and he has, and they are a better team than their record shows. You know, They've found ways to lose games. It's been said because Herbert has been playing really well. Keenan Allen's been playing really well, But they don't have wins to show for it, like you said, and that's just because their defense has found ways to lose games at the end of the game. I don't think that happens this week. I think this is the week where they are able to get over the hump, and it's going to be a good week for Herbert to get on track and get that W. I think that he's going to feast. Keenan Allen's going to feast. Mike Williams is startable as a flex. Uh, Man, people are starting Kalen Balazs because it's the Jets' matchup. And I guess if you need a flex option, you can do that because he showed to have the bulk of the workload last week. So I guess you could do that. But the guys I'm sticking with are Herbert, Allen, Henry, and Williams here.
0: I don't blame you at all. I think that's a good one. And, uh, you know, he got a haircut this week, Herbert did, and he looks like he's all business now. So maybe things will change for it. So I think that that may be uh, a little bit of an upside. And As far as the Jets go, JB, to me, the Jets are all playing for contracts and incentives. Um, and and until the end of the game, when they want to lose the game so they can get the first round draft pick, you know, <laughs> I think that might be part of their incentive package. Now <laughs> they may have signed a little contract uh, the other weekend in the locker room saying, "I will lose each and every game so that the Jets can get a contract." That's fine, hundred thousand bonus. So so be it. Uh, do, do you remember a guy for the Jets? His name was Chris Herndon. I don't know if you remember him or not. Because everybody talks about him each and every year in the preseason having so much potential. This is the Chris Herndon breakout year, but it has not happened this year at all. So I'm going to ask you this question since you like to play little game shows. It's game show time with JB. How many fantasy points does Chris Herndon have according to DraftKings? Ten. <laughs> It's, it's close, close. And now let me keep in mind, if you go back and fact check this, I was doing all the addition of this. I also got in, uh, what did I get in? 5,300 rolls today. So I had to find places for all the rolls. Uh, and so I, I, my numbers have been very jobbled in my brain this week. 22.1 fantasy points, according to DraftKings this year.
1: Yeah, makes sense. I mean, he he doesn't get targeted at all. I mean, I think in the last four games, he's gotten one or two targets. Like, they don't even look for him in the passing game, especially now that they got Mims and Perriman's back and they have other options. You know, uh, Crowder's back healthy. So there's plenty of guys to throw the ball to. And that's funny, Wes, because this is a team that has guys that you want to play. They're they're capable wide receivers, but the team is just so bad. We're going to see Joe Flacco, your boy, once again this week, who, who may or may not be a downgrade from Darnold. You know, I think that... <laughs> I don't know. I think he's going to be... He's going to have to throw the ball this week. They're going to be playing from behind. So I am slightly attracted to the guys in that passing game not named Herndon. Sure. All those wide receivers I think I would be attracted to this week. And I actually do like LaMichael P. Ryan this week also, Wes, because they they said in their bye week that they're going to turn the reins to him, that they're going to make him the feature back so they could see if they have a running back of the future there in P. Ryan. So I... As bad as the Jets are, for some reason, I'm attracted to a lot of options in their offense.
0: No, I agree with you. I understand what you're saying loud and clear. You could do a lot worse than some of those Jets, I believe, just because of the matchup may not be that difficult this week against the Los Angeles Chargers, and I know that that is hard to say. At least it's hard to hear, probably. It's hard for me to say. But uh, not only do I am I am I attracted to those guys, like you said, but this is going to probably be a Chris Herndon week because I called him out. All right, that's all. <laughs> that's all.
1: <laughs> I don't know if a Chris Herndon week exists. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it may not. Uh Next game, the Dallas Cowboys versus the Minnesota Vikings. Dallas can move to three and seven, which is right in contention for the NFC East, and the Minnesota Vikings can go to five hundred and be five and five if they win this game. Uh, what are you expecting to see out of the Dallas Cowboy offense? I guess it's dependent upon who we have at quarterback.
1: Yeah, and I think it, I think it's going to be Andy Dalton. Um, all signs point to it being Andy Dalton. So I think that that's the way it'll be and this is a sneaky game west that I'm thinking I might also be on an island with because I'm taking the Cowboys in an upset this week. I think they they're coming off a bye so they they're a little bit rested. Zeke was dealing with a little bit of a hammy or something before the bye. So he's got a little bit more of a rest. Um you know, obviously we know that that uh Dalton was out the the previous week. So he's back healthy. So I think they're they're in good health now. Minnesota's coming into a letdown type of game, and if you think about it, Mike McCarthy knows Mike Zimmer very well from his time in Green Bay, so I think McCarthy knows how to play against Zimmer and has had success against him in the past, so I think this is a sneaky game where we could see a Cowboys upset here.
0: Okay. Well, I can hear you calling that one. I don't know if I believe in that or not, uh, but I can see more shootout potential than possibly what that 47.5 point total uh, suggests for this game. And I'm really going to be disappointed if it's not Gilbert in there uh, playing quarterback because he just looked really good and Dalton just has looked really bad this year. might be one of those things where you got to start the veteran. And then if the veteran just starts to fall, you can put in the, a young guy and let him rescue the team kind of a thing, and I think that that may be a scenario that the Dallas Cowboys will go through. Uh, we could, you know, either one. I'm going to say you, could, if either one of those quarterbacks end up playing, you could play all three of those receivers possibly. I wouldn't be scared to start them in season longs anyway.
1: Yeah, I'm a little scared to start Gallup, to be honest with you. I don't know. Um, how much Andy Dalton will be passing, but I'm definitely attracted to Cooper this week. I'm attracted to Lamb out of the slot, and I even think it's a good matchup for Dalton Schiltz against this Minnesota Mm -hmm. defense who, who doesn't play great against a tight end, and we know their secondaries had their issues, so I think this Cowboys passing game is definitely viable this week.
0: And I'm going to say that we can be definitely attracted to all the Minnesota Vikings against that Dallas Cowboy defense. Right now, the Minnesota Vikings are scheduled, possibly, uh, for from Odd Shark here, for 40.6 points, JB. That's a lot of points by one team.
1: Yeah, and I don't know that they'll score that much. Um, they should be able to put up points for sure. And I think that Justin Jefferson's a guy who I'm going to be slamming into all my lineups. Thielen's a little bit too high of a price for me as far as DFS goes, but obviously you're going to start him in your season long. But I think Jefferson's in a smash spot this week, and I think he could be a top 10 wide receiver this week.
0: That's possible, and I wouldn't be shying away from Kyle Rudolph as well, and I'm definitely putting Dalvin Cook in there. And I'm going to say this, Matson might not be a bad option either because Dalvin Cook might be sitting about halfway through the third quarter if things go the way I think they will in Minnesota this week. All right, Green Bay Packers versus the Indianapolis Colts. Got a couple of question marks here. I'm not sure who Aaron Rodgers is going to be throwing the ball to to try to move his team to 8-2 and two against the Indianapolis Colts, who would be at 7-3, and three, another 7-3 and three team in the AFC JB. Uh Devontae Adams did not practice today, but thankfully Alan Lazard might be coming back for those Green Bay Packers. Do you like any of those wide receivers versus this tough Indianapolis Colt defense?
1: Yeah, you have to like Adams if he plays, you know, you have to he's the number one wide receiver in football, so you have to like him. Um MVS has been a guy who who's established himself as a long ball threat. And we didn't know that that was going to come, but it seems like he's kind of stepped up into the role of late. And once Aaron Rodgers trusts a guy and he seems to be building that trust finally with MVS, I think he could be a a guy that you could play this week. Because if you think about it, if Adams plays, he's going to see Xavier Rhodes on on him pretty much all game for the majority of the game. So MVS will be running deep routes against Rocky Sin, who's definitely beatable. So I think MVS is a sneaky play in DFS and as a flex option. Lazard can come back and be a target guy, but I want to see it first. I want to see how he comes back healthy and if he continues the rapport that we saw with Rodgers from last year.
0: Nope. 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 See, you, you fell for the trap. Aaron Rodgers does that to people, you know. He'll get his hopes high. He'll get your hopes high on somebody that's the second uh, wide receiver at Green Bay, and then he's going to switch it up on you, my friend. Look, you know what's, you know what's going to end up happening? Geronimo Allison is going to come off the the, the the COVID injury list from the Detroit Lions and suit up, and he'll end up being the guy. Look, it's it just uh, Robert Tonian is in a great smash spot, actually, I think it looks like uh, from the PFF lineup anyway, and it'll probably be Robert Tonian this week. I know you're not going to start any Tonian. Uh, you're just going to call him out that one week, a couple of weeks ago, and, and say he's going to catch a touchdown. He ends up catching three or four, I think, that week, JB. You hit the nail on the head there, but we haven't heard from him since then. Look, Aaron Rodgers is going to... To switch that up all the time. Please don't put all your eggs in the MVS basket or the Alan Lazard basket.
1: No, I definitely wouldn't put all the eggs in those baskets for sure. I, I don't think that either one of those guys is going to get peppered with targets, especially with Adams out there on the field. But I think MVS is established as a deep threat, almost like a uh, almost like a D-Jacks type of play, where it could be boom mm-hmm. or it could be a hard bust.
0: Yeah, and last time, whenever Devontae Adams did sit out a game, Alan Lazard ended up being the guy with all the targets, I will say that. Uh, MVS ended up having just a terrible game, and I can remember that very yep. specifically for a very specific reason, okay? But the, uh, do you? I know you don't like Tonian regularly, but uh, according to PFF, he's got a good matchup against the Indianapolis Colts, even though I'm saying it's against the Indianapolis Colts. Would you play a Tonian this week?
1: As much as it pains me to say, Wes, this is the first week since that breakout week that I would consider using Tunyon as a flyer, as a tight end streamer this week. This Indianapolis defense is tough to run on. It's tough to, to pass on for the most part. It's a really good defense, but they have shown that they're a little vulnerable to the tight end. So I think that if I'm ever gonna play Tunyon, it's gonna be this week, and it pains me to say it because I don't really like him.
0: Okay, I understand, and and like you said, Aaron Jones is, has a little downgrade, but you got to start him uh, this week, and 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 you never know, you might it might be a Jamal Williams week as well if if Green Bay comes from behind and Devontae Adams is not playing, it's a good time to start Jamal Williams because then he'll be looking as at uh, alternate passing option four. Aaron Rodgers, no consistency in Indianapolis from fantasy standpoint. Uh, one week, it's this wide receiver. The next week, it's this running back. It's good for football, but bad for fantasy. JB, help our listeners find attractable players in the in this Indianapolis Colt offense this week.
1: So here's the thing, Wes. Like you want to play a running back against Green Bay because you could run on Green Bay. Mm-hmm. But you don't want to play an Indianapolis running back because they're a running back by committee. They're a true running back by committee. So... I don't know that I would be confident in starting any of those backs, even in a plus matchup. You know, Philip Rivers had a really good week last week and Michael Pittman established himself. He was a waiver wire darling this week. So I, I think that, and I don't know we'll have to check on the green Bay cornerbacks. I think Jair Alexander is still trending towards not playing. He hasn't cleared concussion protocol yet. And I don't know what the status on Kevin King is yet. So it it can be an attractive matchup for these wide receivers. So I would probably, if I'm going to have to play anyone on Indy, it's probably going to be Michael Pittman Jr.,
0: yeah, I think that he's the most reliable source, but I will say this. Naheem that offense looked completely different with Naheem Hines back there in the backfield. I don't I don't know what if it's just not being predictable. I don't know if it's Naheem Hines' athleticism, if he's one if he's the guy everybody kind of pulls for in that uh, huddle or whatever, I don't know what it is, but they just look like a completely different ball 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 team whenever he's back there as a running back.
1: Yeah, I agree. He looked to be the lead back last week and he did a good job doing it. So, I mean, he might get that role again this week. So if you have him and you need to flex him, I'd be okay with it. But I can't play any of those backs with confidence because as soon as we slot Naeem Hines in, they're going to start giving Jonathan Teller the ball or or Jordan Wilkins the ball. And we're going to be like, oh, man, here we go again. So I'm just afraid of that whole offense as far as a running game goes.
0: I agree with you. All right, let's move on to the next game, the Kansas City Chiefs versus the Las Vegas Raiders. And this is one of those games that we said had a high point total. It has a 57 point total right now. The Chiefs would move to nine and one if they win this game. And the Las Vegas Raiders, it is a bottleneck, JB, at seven and three in the AFC. And and I think uh, me and your guy, John Priscilla, talked about that a little bit at the beginning of the year, whenever we were choosing our, our team victories and everything. It just looked like the AFC was so much better than the NFC this year. And, and it, I think it's proving true with all the seven and three teams that are in the AFC. But here we have the Kansas City Chiefs. Did you hear about the victory laps that the Vegas Raiders were doing last time they beat Kansas City in Kansas City? Oh, no, I didn't. But that's going to fire up Mahomes and company. OK, uh, what they did. But after they won the game in Kansas City, they took the team buses and went around the field like a victory lap, is what it kind of looked like to everybody. And and the Kansas City Chiefs have been talking about that this week, is what I, Rob Norton told me that on the, uh, uh, what was it, the Baby Bowl podcast that I did the other night, along with Joe Sowiski, who was the winner of the Baby Bowl Week 10 last week. They both broke that news to me, and it made me think, oh my, why would you ever want to do something like that? And I could see John Gruden going, come on, boys, let's go for a little victory lap like we did back <laughs> in high school around this and sing our team fight song. You know, I could just see them doing that but this is a game going to be played what inside in Las Vegas I don't think that I've ever seen a game played in Las Vegas yet
1: no I I know we had that um I think it was week two when they opened the stadium but they had it open so yeah this this might be the first time we're getting that and it should be a fun game to watch like you said it's a it's a high point total I think that both teams have vulnerabilities on defense and both teams have weapons on offense. So this will be a fun Sunday nighter for us in Vegas.
0: Yeah, last time I believe that the Las Vegas Raiders threw a couple of deep bombs that really got them involved and kind of knocked Kansas City on their heels, so this might be another smash spot for those wide receivers to go deep in Las Vegas against the Kansas City Chiefs, but we're definitely firing up every Kansas City Chief that we can get our hands on this week just because of that simple uh, statement about that bus being driven around there and the Kansas City Chiefs wanting to have revenge against the Las Vegas Raiders. Am I right on that, JB? Or are you repelled by anybody in this offense? And don't include Le'Veon Bell because he's not included in this offense.
1: Yeah, and I think that he will be more included now coming off the bye. I think they've been, they'll have been, they be able to get him more involved. Um, I don't know that it, it's a 1A, 1B. I still think he is the backup, but he will have more of a role. I think he'll have a red zone role if they get into the red zone. But that's the thing. We talk about Kansas City scoring from 40, 50 yards out. So there's really not a role for a red zone back. So I am attracted to all the options in this offense. I think Tyreek Hill is a top five wide receiver this week. Pat Mahomes, obviously, a top, you know, let's call him a top three quarterback. And Travis Kelsey's is the best tight end in football right now. He's, he's like, if you have Travis Kelsey on your roster, it's like having two tight ends on your roster the way that position is right now. So... All those guys, I'm I'm firing up with confidence, and even Sammy Watkins, if he's back healthy this week, I might stick with him as well in this matchup.
0: Yeah, you definitely need to check your waiver wire and see if Sammy Watkins is available. Somebody may have dropped him throughout that time, and just not have confidence in him anymore, and he might be available, and you could slide him into that roster spot for as long as he stays healthy. As far as the Raiders go, are you willing to start a Derek Carr this week in fantasy football?
1: Yeah, I could I could start him in a super flex, or if I have you know. Josh Allen and I'm dealing with bye week issues and and mm-hmm. you know cars an option that's out there for me. I, I think he could be a high end QB2 this week. Um again, it's a plus matchup against the Kansas City secondary that they've shown to be beatable. Um the Raiders have showed us themselves that that they're beatable. Um I think that we could get a sneaky rugs touchdown this week. You talked about being beat on a deep ball last time and last mm-hmm. time it was Aguilar, and you know Agolor is a jag so Aguilar could do it again, but I have a sneaky suspicion that it's gonna be Ruggs this week that gets the deep touchdown.
0: It's very possible. You know what else I, when you were talking about Derek Carr and I was gonna ask you real quick if if you know, would you rather start Derek Carr or Nick Foles this week? And then I remembered that Nick Foles was on a bye week as well. and, and you know what I heard the rumblings of? That our guy Mitch, Mitch Trubisky. Mitch? Yeah. Mitch might come back and, and be the quarterback for the Bears coming out of the bye week. <laughs> that's what I heard. I don't know what the hell situation was that, but uh, that's just that's the that's the word on the street in Chicago right now. I don't. I don't, <laughs> I don't think that's
1: a bad thing, Wes. I think I'd rather start no. Layla than Nick Foles at this point. Oh, come on,
0: man, That's my quarterback, <laughs> man. That's my quarterback. Uh, can we we can fire up Josh Jacobs? Of course. Is Devontae Booker anybody that we really need to have strong considerations of? I know he scored scored two touchdowns last week, but it was kind of in my up time. We're not looking to put him in a flex option right now, are we?
1: No, we're not. I think he's a guy that if you have a deep bench, you might want to hold on to him. I think he's proven to be that he could be a high end handcuff, but it's Jacob's backfield. And and I don't think there'll be many games that will go mop up. I think the Raiders are going to play close games for the most part. So I don't know that there's going to be a lot of mop up time like we saw last week for him.
0: I said this last week, I think a couple of different times about the Las Vegas Raiders. They win all different kinds of games. They, they they smash mouth with Cleveland if they got to smash mouth with Cleveland. They fire up the cannons if they got to play against the Kansas City Chiefs, and they start throwing those long balls and everything. I really like how this team is developing under John Gruden, and I want to, I, I want to say it's Mike Mayock as, as the general manager there in Las Vegas. I could be wrong about that. He might be a basketball player. I don't know. What it, all right. I, <laughs> Los Angeles Rams, the last game here. Uh, Los Angeles Rams versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. If the Rams win, they move to 7-3. and three. If the Buccaneers win, they move to 8-3, and JP. Both of our teams uh, here, or we both picked the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to advance far in the playoffs. They looked like a playoff squad last week. They got right. They got right last week. And it looks like I think that they could possibly do that again lo- against Los Angeles because that Los Angeles defense, I know that front line is very stout. But I just think that they could be picked apart a little bit by this Tampa Bay wide receiving core, tight end core, where there's a lot of options nowadays.
1: There is, Wes. But I think that the Rams are a really good defense. And, you know, you talk about and I've heard people say, oh, they're not that good. They only have two players. They only have Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey. But they don't because you saw Leonard Floyd stepping up and and he's been a presence alongside Donald on that front. And then you saw the kid Darius Williams last week have a really good game. And I think he can be a really good cornerback. I think he's pretty young. I think he's only like been in the in the league for a year or two. And and he really showed, I mean, maybe he's he's getting some tutelage from Ramsey. And who better to learn the game from and how to play the position than a guy like Jalen Ramsey? So I, I think that both of those cornerbacks are really good at their job. And I think that they're gonna make it hard. For the Buccaneers pass catcher pass catching weapons, as well as that defensive front getting pressure on Brady, making it tough for him to throw. So I don't know that this is a good spot for the Bucks. I think that they can still win the game. They should still win the game, but I think it'll be a really close game.
0: For the Los Angeles Rams, it's always tough to decide which wide receivers to start. Josh Reynolds looks like somebody who uh, has got a piece of the playbook now, and he might be a guy on the waiver wire. I know he's a good DFS option. It seems like most weeks there in the Los Angeles Rams wide receiving core. But as far as Cooper Cup or Robert Woods, I figured out what I'm going to do each week now, JB. Each week I know how to figure it out because it's one of those things that you just don't ever know. And last week this Los Angeles Rams offense was one of those offenses that – you thought was in a smash spot, and then uh, Jim Everett. Gotta, I'm not going to call him anything but Jim Everett until he proves, <laughs> proves me otherwise. Okay, He ended up scoring 10 points last week, and it wasn't Cup. It wasn't a Woods week. It was a Josh Reynolds week. It ended up being a Tyler Higbee week instead of a Gerald Everett week. It ended up being a, a touchdown for each one of the running backs, I believe, last week. So this is what I'm going to do with Cooper Cup and Robert Woods. I've got a notebook right here. All right, so I, I did that. I set up a Cup across the room. OK, and I got a, bought a piece of paper right here and I'm just going to throw it at the cup. And if it goes in the cup, it's a Cooper Cup week. If it goes out of the cup, it's a Robert Woods week. All right. so That's that's. What... <laughs> that's like the cup. That's... I, I hit the cup. So it's a Robert Woods week. OK, that's how I'm, <laughs> that's how I'm choosing. Well,
1: and, and that's kind of like me saying to play a player because Layla licked my face on it. So, <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'll I mean, it's a toss-up, right? It's a toss-up. We don't know who's going to do what in this Los Angeles Rams offense anymore. It's just a, a it's it's a good offense. Don't get me wrong; it's great for football, just not great for fantasy sometimes.
1: Yeah. So here's what I'm going to say as the resident Bucks guy. I know the cornerbacks really well. Right. Carlton, Carlton Davis and Jamel Dean, the outside cornerbacks, have been playing really well. Carlton Davis shadows. I I retweeted something. I think it was yesterday. That showed all the matchups that he's played against, you know, Michael Thomas, Keenan Allen, all the guys that when Carlton Davis shadows them, they are shut down. And I think that that's going to be Robert Woods this week. Now, what a shadow corner is, is not like backyard football. It's not where he's going to be on you every single play. If he shadows him 60 percent. And Woods moves around the formation because we've seen that. We've seen them move Woods into the slot, move Cup to the outside. We've seen a little bit more of that from them this week. So it's not to say that Woods can't have a good game because where the Bucks can be attacked is in the slot. Their nickel corner, Sean Murphy bunting, is their weakest corner. So whether it's Cup in the slot, Woods in the slot, they're going to alternate in that slot position. So I think both of them will have productive weeks when they're lining up on the inside. When they're matched up against Carlton Davis, I don't think so. And that's why I'm repelled by Reynolds this week, too, because he's going to probably see mostly Jamel Dean on the outside. When he moves to the other side, if Davis isn't shadowing the other guy, he'll see Davis. So I'm going to be out on Reynolds this week. I did pitch Reynolds last week, and I'm glad I did, but I'm out on him this week. I'm sticking with Cup. I'm sticking with Woods, and that's it. You know I'm never sticking with Higby. I think Everett is playable if you need a tight end at a low price, I think he is playable, but the only guys I'm really sticking with are Woods and Cup, and maybe Everett.
0: Okay, and nobody out of the backfield really. We can't. It's just a dart throw right now at this point, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's still Henderson's backfield. I think he's healthy and and right. he'll be good to go. But this Buccaneers run defense is really good, so I don't think that they're going to have much running room this
0: week. Okay, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I was I was so happy for Rojo last week Uh, after he had fumbled early in the game. I was I was actually doing victory last because I had Leonard Fournette in a a couple of different lineups last week. And usually what happens is after uh, Rojo fumbles in the game, it starts becoming Leonard Fournette's game, you know, and I thought like, okay, here we go. All right. Leonard, Leonard Fournette, 12 points fantasy week. All right, here we go. And then all of a sudden Rojo, though, just looked completely like a different back than Leonard Fournette. I mean, it was clear as day last week. Rojo's out there dodging left. He's dodging right. He's changing up his pace. He's doing spin moves. He's getting free. He's running for five yards per attempt. And Leonard Fournette is running straight ahead. And whatever's in his way, he runs into. And he's not moving. He's not dodging. He's not doing anything. And then all of a sudden, Rojo, which may be his shining moment this year that really puts him on a different place and a different plateau. Took off for that 98 yards. JB, I love watching running backs, okay? I love watching running backs. I loved watching him run for 98 yards last week. It's just one of those things whenever I was growing up as a kid, I got to watch Walter Payton over and over and over again, so I got to see sweetness. I got to see greatness, and so I can always appreciate a good running back. And I'm telling you, Rojo has all the tools that a good running back needs.
1: He does, and and You know, you could credit part of that, as we talked about a couple weeks ago, to all the offseason training he did. He really worked hard in the offseason running up hills with snakes and whatnot. So, you know, I think that he really got himself into a position where he could try to take over this backfield. And obviously that was before they signed Leonard Fournette. But I think that Bruce Arians sees that. And Bruce Arians is a guy who, as long as you're doing your job, he's going to stick with you. As soon as you don't do your job, he's going to pull you. So as long as Rojo, he's going to continue to get that first look and that first opportunity. And unless he fumbles or misses a block or misses an assignment of some sort, we're going to see a majority of Ronald Jones. And I think Fournette will be kind of used as that third down back and maybe a late game hammer, you know, in in games where they want some fresh legs in the fourth quarter. I think it is Rojo's backfield.
0: Okay, and that's what we're going to look at mo- go- going forward, going forward. Although Yahoo! still has it kind of backwards, it seemed like to me. Uh, they got lettered for net for 12 points this week in my fantasy league and I'm going there is no way that's going to happen I don't know what you're seeing that I don't but maybe they'll see more receptions for Leonard Fournette than I am projecting him to have because I do think this Tampa Bay Buccaneers offense is on a little bit of a roll last week they started finding every wide receiver I don't know how Tampa Tom made some of those pass completions that he did he was he really looked like he was starting to build a very good connection with his receivers he missed a couple of deep balls that they could have been even bigger for him
1: yeah it, it definitely could have and and they scored on all 10 of their possessions last last week if you're not counting the 11th which was the kneel downs at the end of the game they put up points on all 10 of their possessions so that offense was really clicking and like you said it could have been even worse i mean they they really hung it up there against against uh against Carolina last week. So I think this, this offense has gotten back on track, which they really needed to do after the big letdown against the Saints. So I think this is an opportunity against a good defense in prime time. The Bucks don't play well in prime time. And no. we talked about it last week that Tom Brady's bedtime is usually around 830. So here we have a Monday night game that's past his bedtime. Um, I, I think that we're getting our Ali Marpet back, our best lineman. I don't know. I haven't seen that yet. But they moved Jensen, the center, over to left guard because Donovan Smith is such a bad left tackle that they moved the center Jensen over to kind of help him out. So I think that will help, and that did help the running game. It was Jensen that made the big block on, on Jones's run. So I think that we're seeing this offense kind of get back on track. So I'm going to stick with every aspect of this offense, okay. even, in, even against a good defense. I mean, I, I think Mike Evans is the only one that I'd be a little worried about because he'll probably get the Ramsey shadow. But I really like Godwin on the other side, out of the slot or on the other side, and Antonio Brown.
0: I do, too. And, and uh, even the, the tight ends got involved, and Gronk is just doing a fantastic job. And we've already talked about the tight end situation in the NFL right now. Uh, at, at least Gronk's getting some targets and getting some receptions. So he may end up being a wide receiver, too, this year, as since George Kittle went down. We never know. There may be Gronk season all over again. J.B., great magnet show. Thank you for the trepidation on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, because I was really getting getting a, a little bit uh, overjuiced on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, maybe, but I just like them a lot. That, they really looked good last week, so a uh, great job by you. Uh, what do you want to tell the listeners here before we head out?
1: Thanks for the support. You guys have really been listening to the show, giving us feedback. I get messages and texts every week from all of our friends that listen to the show, and you guys... Obviously, encouraged to hit me up on Twitter at Fantasy Coach JB. Any questions, any advice I can give you? Start, sit, waiver wire. Love to interact with you guys. You can catch my article, my sexy flexies on Rasball, and on Monday nights I have the Fantasy Besties live pod that goes on about 7:15, and we go right up until that Monday night game. So it's a really cool group of people, a lot of good people, good fantasy minds. We had our first show this past week, and it was I think it went really well. So join us on Monday nights for that as well. And and thanks again for all your support. I
0: couldn't do this without you guys. No, and that, that is one of the things I keep seeing you on more and more different uh, platforms. Your Twitter handle's going up, your follow's going up, your interaction's going up. And so I know that you're getting out there and about there and people are uh, looking to you for those answers. And JB, I do want to warn all the fa- Fantasy Impact Today family that's out there. Uh, we're moving into the holiday seasons. So this is the first time we're tackling the holidays right now. And I just was thinking about it before we got on the air. Oh, when are we going to record next week? Are we going to record over Thanksgiving dinner? Ooh. No, we can't. Yeah. So, so it, we're, we got to work some of those things out. All right. So I'm putting it on your radar. I'm putting it on the fit family's radar as well, that we may be a little bit inconsistent as these holidays move up, but we will still find a way to be with you each and every week. It, the, the drop time may just be a little bit different for our podcast, but I know that you will tune in. I know that you will tell your family. I know as JB and I sing, maybe you will even play it on your Google devices uh, for all the family to listen maybe you and i jb will have to have a uh, a little holiday remix or something like that uh, for some of the songs that are out there
1: deck the halls with lots of turkey uh, <laughs> i don't
0: know that, that's a chicken that ain't a turkey well, do a Good turkey. have you you never heard my turkey have you i hold haven't let's hear it hold on hold on i, I don't know if i can I, hold on i forgot how a turkey sounds oh i got it i got it is that
1: pretty good? You are a turkey, Wes. Oh, thank you very much. I, I've tra- been
0: practicing for years. <laughs> hey we appreciate you though listening to the fantasy magnet podcast here on the fantasy impact today network you can follow me on twitter at loafing it make sure you follow the show at fi today with a little underscore underneath it head over to anchor fm whatever listening platform you like to listen to podcasts on you can tell everybody that they can find it right there if it happens to be on the itunes app make sure you slap those stars around leave a comment leave a review make sure you tell your friends and more importantly than any of that Find a way to make a positive impact in somebody's life today.